Disney has lot of cultural value that I think every organization can learn from. They teach you not to use the word customer. They are guests. You are building your experiences. The very common phrase that is used in almost every meeting at Disney is to create magic. That magic is something that delights the guest. Today on the show, I'm happy to have Sumit Rana. He's a CEO of ProdHub.ai. They automate product management. You also spent some time working at Disney, right? Yes, absolutely. Five years, hands down, one of the best professional experiences I ever had. Was really fortunate to have some of really good bosses and mentors who coached me and learned a lot. And amazing peers, amazing company. What did you take away from how they treat the customer experience? Oh, it's, I, I think there's lots of stories I can share from there. I think Disney has a lot of cultural value that I think every organization can learn from. For example, the very first thing when you walk in on day one at Disney, they teach you not to use the word customer. Disney's customers are not customers, they are guests. It starts from the way Disney originated and Disney originated and how you treat your guests coming into the park and you treat them from, in a very, the level of service that you provide to them is much higher when you psychologically think of them as a guest. So today, even Disney, regardless of the channel you're in, you could be in a digital channel, you could be in the park, you could be wherever, the language that you use is not the customer, you use the guest. And you are not an employee, you are cast. So I think that there, and there are different four keys that Disney imbibes on, and that's a kind of a very detailed conversation or some other time. But I think things like this, where you are using the word guest and you are building your experiences around that culture, I think is amazing, right? Makes you believe at every level how you need to treat your customer, right? That's one. Second, if you were to look at any Disney property, anything, could be park, could be the app, could be the website, could be anything. The Disney brand and what it stands for comes out evenly, equally in the most crazy manner. You could be even had things like, there's a very common phrase that is used in almost every meeting at Disney is to create magic. And unless you are, don't have magical experiences, you are creating a substandard experience. And I'll give you a very small, tiny example of this. If you go and book, get a ticket on the Disneyland app today, the moment you hit purchase, there is a sprinkle that happens on the screen and it feels like fireworks because you're celebrating the moment that, hey, we have a new guest on, on the park, right? It is on your digital device, it's in your app. That is what's creating a magic stands for. So you can build the most awesome design, you can build the most awesome experience, but that magic is something that delights the guest. And I think these type of subtle nuances, these type of subtle experiences actually enhance the overall experience on the, from the moment you start thinking about it. They haven't even gone to the park yet. They already have become part of the Disney journey, the travel journey. And I think that is what separates Disney. That is what sets Disney apart. They really care about the relationship and the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you another example. And these are really small nuggets that to learn from. We had a particular page, like if you were to go on the park, I, I led the parks and resorts checkout experience. So every ticket sale, package sale, resorts have went through my team. And we had a situation where if you're booking a very heavy experience and sometimes people come with large families and there are all sorts of resort bookings, all sorts of ticket bookings, all sorts of things. And you would have a situation where our system is crunching the numbers and trying to figure out the entire package. So there's a two seconds to 2.5 seconds worth of delay. 
And we were not happy with that. And we did everything from an engineering standpoint, what we could do to reduce their time from two and a half or three seconds to instant. And there were technological challenges to do that. And because of the complexity of the product and all the stuff that was going on. So we said, how can we improve the experience here? So we did an A-B test. In that A-B test, we created an animated character that would, during that loading screen, that animated character would come and they would show up on the screen. So instead of looking at a blank screen, a simple loading screen that's going on, we actually enhanced the experience. So that converted, created an opportunity of a bad situation and converted into a delightful situation. That test alone added 6 million in incremental revenue because people were not frustrated at that point of time. They were happy to just look at that animation and the pain was bearable because now they had to wait for three seconds, but those three seconds were delightful rather than frustrating. So lots of learnings from this thing. Amazing company. And so I'm sure a lot of that you took and implemented into your processes with Product Hub. Yes. So I think, uh, like I said, your uh, experiences are a collection of experiences from your past and you take the best and you put it in, 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 in what you want to do. So we are very passionate about Prod Hub as I was leading the product teams at Disney, Expedia and a lot of other organizations. Our understanding was that there are inefficiencies within product management and he did not find good solutions out there. And I, and I took like last year, nine months just doing primary research, talking to as many people as I could and called a lot of my friends from Disney who I've worked with and took feedback from them about what are the challenges they are seeing in product management. Can, how can we build products faster? How can we improve the overall experience? And lots of that learning actually helped in formulating our initial hypothesis and then ultimately the product that we're building right now. So all these kind of design principles, all these product management principles actually come into the habit and come into your psyche as you think about these products. And we backed it with a lot of data, a lot of science, a lot of feedback. Even today, I do two to three calls a day to just get feedback, just talk to people and see what are the challenges they're seeing and how our product can help. And we are just, just moving on in our mission to automate product management and save time for the teams, help them launch products faster and make the journey better. When you say product, is that anything from a kitchen gadget to a piece of software or is it very specific? Oh, that's a very interesting question. So today we are focused on software products. Regardless of the vertical, say we are vertical agnostic or industry agnostic. So regardless of any industry, regardless of any use case, you could come to our platform and you could find user stories or product requirements. Could also create product requirements. And not only that, we are actually very soon in our roadmap, we'll be able to automate everything from start to finish. So you come to us with the product vision and that product vision would be a very simple one to two sentences of, I want to build X. And from that point on, the amount of time it takes a product manager to think about all the features, think about all the edge cases, think about all the null scenarios, that takes months in order to do that, to build that entire roadmap, right? Now it can be done in days because we have the automated most of that function, right? So our goal, our mission is to save 30 to 50% of a product manager's time by focusing on the common repeatable patterns that are easily available in every application. So today, regardless of the industry, regardless of the vertical, we will provide that product automation uh, when you come to our platform. In the future, going back to your point, in the future, we absolutely can leverage the same uh, patterns that we have for hardware products as well. A product is a product at the end of the day, and we are 
working towards getting to a stage where regardless of the form, a product, if you have a vision for a product, our system will be able to generate specifications and therefore the, the, the end result that you want for product. Could be hardware, could be software, doesn't matter. But today we are focused on a software product. And you've had a couple of aha moments that kind of drove you into this. Uh, I think early on in my career, when we were learning about product management, we were thinking about how to build products. The one of the common lingo, every company has the way you talk about success, the way you talk about something that is compelling. And in our company, the standard language was this is cool. And every time you would go to showcase your product or you would talk about how awesome it is, the, the way you got the validation was that, oh my God, that's amazing. That's cool. And that tagline, this is cool, became like the dominant culture around the company. And to a certain extent, that effectively was how you measured success. Like I built something cool and that's amazing. And that, that is a measure of success. Until we had a, a VP of product who came from Google and I would go and show him like, look, this, I worked on something. This is really cool. And he looked straight in me in the eye and said, it doesn't matter what you think is cool. And I was like, wait, but, and he was like, Sumit, it doesn't matter if you think it's cool. It doesn't matter if I think it's cool. What matters is if our customers think it's cool. Do you have that? And that suddenly was a bulb going on in my head. And I'm like, oh my God, that is, uh, that's right. Until I go and measure against our users, until I go and validate it, unless they love it, we are building the product not for ourselves, we're building the product for them, right? And unless they bang the table and say, yes, that is an awesome feature. I love it. You solved a problem for me. You don't have a success, right? So that kind of discussion actually opened up the way we structured, started thinking about OKRs. We started thinking about how to measure success. We started thinking about being disciplined about it rather than being very subjective about it and saying, oh, this is cool. This is work. This will work. This will work. So I think those early days of discipline is I think is absolutely paramount. Without measurement, you are flying blind. And I think I still, as I talk to product managers, I talk to people I coach, I tell them that unless you know what you're measuring, there's no guarantee of success. So what are your practices for going out and measuring what the customer actually needs? I, I think it goes back to what problem you're solving, right? This is where the second how nugget comes in is the probably the most important question is the why. When you talk to a customer, unless you really probe into it and you really go down to the why, you're influenced by a lot of other factors, right? It could be your boss told you to build it. And I would sometimes challenge my product managers when I was doing teams at Disney and Expedia and others. And I would question that product, tell a product manager, hey, we're building this X. And they say, great, I'm going to go build X. And they run at 100 miles per hour building X. And sometimes they don't even question that. And they said, okay, my boss told me to build X. I'm going to go build X, right? If you don't know why you're building X, you will likely fail at building X, whatever that X is, right? So I think I cannot uh, stress on this enough that regardless of the product, regardless of the feature, regardless of the capability that you're building, it's very important to measure the why. Uh, the bigger the why, the bigger the problem, the bigger the solution that you're going after, more responsibility on your head to understand how detailed or how big the problem is, right? So I think to me, I think it goes back to the why. Everything else gets figured out after that. What are you building? How are you building? When are you building and all that stuff, those things become easier. 
But the why is the most important question and you need to have a way to measure. So if one of our listeners want to learn more or get in touch, how can they do? So all they, they can go to our website, which is broadhub.ai. And uh, there is a feedback link over there. They can reach out to the, to us, broadhub.com. Uh, I'm the CEO, Sumit at broadhub.ai. They can contact and reach out to us, uh, to me directly on Sumit at broadhub.ai. And we would love for people to sign up. We have a free trial available so they can sign up for free. Use the tool, access the tool, and just let us know if there are any issues and we can more, we'll be more than happy to listen to any feedback that people have to offer. Make sure to go check that out, guys. And thank you, Sumit, for coming on the show and everybody for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.